Through the storm, He is Lord. Uh, he is Lord of all. He's always Lord. Uh, through the storms of our life, you know, there are different storms that come into our life. Uh, there are the storms of sickness. There's the storms of, of political unrest that our country is going through right now. There are storms of uh, family struggles and issues that we go through. There's also the, the storm of sin that we go through, the struggle with sin. And, uh, you know, that, that beautiful picture in that last verse, uh, that it is Jesus alone. He alone is Lord of all. He alone is the cornerstone. And when we make Him the cornerstone of our life, then even through the battles of sin, one day we will be dressed in His righteousness alone, faultless, to stand before the throne. Not because we're not at fault, but because... He has removed it all. Amen. That's glorious. That is a, a, a glorious truth. And that is why we serve Him. That is why we, we follow Him. And, and that, is, that is why we love Him uh, so much. And we're going to be talking about uh, the sin storms today. So open up your Bibles to uh, Mark chapter 9. And we're going to begin reading in verse 42 and read down through the end uh, of the chapter here and. Uh, Jesus has been uh, uh, talking to the disciples uh, and uh, calling them uh, to uh, a walk. First of all, they had the issue where um, the, uh, they couldn't cast out the demon. And Jesus says, prayer and fasting, you, you need to take that more seriously. And, and, and then they uh, have the, uh, the issue where they're uh, they're, they're criticizing some things, and, and, and Jesus says he's going to the cross, and, and Peter says, don't do that. And he says, y'all don't get it. He says, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow after me. And then they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest among them, and he tells them uh, that, no, 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 if you want to be the greatest, you've got to learn to be the servant of all. And then they begin judging and criticizing someone else who was casting out demons in Jesus' name uh, because he wasn't one of them. And so that's what he's been dealing with. And so Jesus just kind of has to stop them and say, you need to understand what is, is going on here. Uh, there is uh, a sin issue that is, is going on here. And so he, in, the, in these final verses here, Jesus addresses the issue uh, of sin. He doesn't cover everything there is about sin, but he, be, he exposes some things in their own life and some things in our lives as well. Look, look with me in Mark chapter 9 and verse 42. It says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble... It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into life main rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone who will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. 
Now, this issue of, uh, of sin, you know, as I was preparing the sermon, I, I was taken back to the, the Andy Griffith episode where they have the guest preacher in town, and, and uh, the preacher is, is preaching up there, and afterwards, Barney talks to the preacher outside. He and Andy are talking to him and says, that was a great sermon that you preached there. Uh, Barney does. It says, you know, nobody can talk about that. needs can talk about that any, anymore or uh, uh, that doesn't need to talk about that. Or you can talk about that all you want to. That's the, the subject of stuff. And he says, you know, you can't preach on sin enough. And of course, he didn't preach on sin. He was talking about relaxing and, and not being in a hurry and, and things like that. But the reality is, is that you can't preach on sin enough. Uh, sin is what separates us from God. But, but somewhere along the line, we have, we've, that word has kind of changed its meaning. Uh, you know, it, it, it is something that, uh, that we see as, as something really that, that other people do. And even as I, as I mentioned sin, probably right now you're thinking about, yeah, our country needs to hear that. And if they, here he's not talking, he's not even talking to the Pharisees here, and he's not talking to the, the prostitutes and to the, uh, the drunkards and things that are out there. He's talking to his disciples about their issue of, of, of sin, and that if they're going to, to, if they're not following fully after him, there's sin issues. In, and so what we need to know is not what the, the latest preacher out there has to say or the latest book has to say or what, certainly not what politicians have to say. Uh, and they, but, but we need to know what Jesus has to say about sin. In verse 45, he uses that, he talks about sin there, uh, about the, the, the hand that causes you to sin. In verse 40, 45, he talks about the foot that causes you to sin. In verse 47, he said, if your eye causes you to sin, Jesus is, is preaching, he's teaching on sin. Now, this word here that is used for sin in, in, in these verses here, it's a, it's a little bit different word. If you've done much word studies on, on sin, the, there's another word that's usually used for sin, but this is a, a unique word that's not used real often. It is the, is the Greek word skandalizon. It's where we get the word scandal. That's why I put in the title, the scandal of, of sin. And, and what it has the idea, it has the idea of, of the trap, of falling into the trap uh, of sin. That's why we, we use that word, talk about somebody who's caught up in a scandal means that they fell into something. Well, maybe they jumped into something, but they, there was something that trapped them. There was something that, that came into their lives and they got exposed because of, of this, this trap, this sin that they were involved in. Literally, the, the scandal on it originally was what it was, was you, you know what a snare is? Uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, you've seen the snares where you have the stick and you have the, the trap that is up there and then you've got something for the animal within there and and if the you know as it comes in there you either got somebody who has a string that is off hiding that pulls it or either the animal knocks the the stick out of the way and the trap falls down on it that stick that trigger mechanism there was the the scandalizon and and that's what he he's talking about here and 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 looking at sin in that way it, it focuses on certain aspects of sin and and the reality is is that 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 sin does appeal. You know, we're drawn in, the, the animal is drawn into the trap because there's something there that he wants. There isn't a, an appeal uh, of sin. And let me tell you something, as long as you're in this fleshly body here on this earth, you will always be tempted, okay? To ask God to, to remove all the temptation where you'll never be tempted again, that's not going to happen here on this earth. 
It's one of the beauties of heaven is that, that we get away from, but we will, you're going to be tempted. So we've got to learn to withstand that temptation. There always is a, a tempting, a drawing aspect to sin, and we need to recognize that, and we need to learn how to resist that and how to, to overcome that. Also, the, the, the very clear in the word that he's using here is that not only sin is tempting, but sin is very dangerous. There's a trap that is set, and there's a snare that is there, and there's a bondage that, that comes with it, that sin will mess you up. That once the trap is set, when you indulge in it, when you go into it, you won't like the results. Sin is dangerous. Sin is serious. And this is the aspect of sin I think sometimes we miss out on. Is we, we want to blame it on others, but what we oftentimes do, we go in after the sin and we intentionally push the trigger we, we, to get trapped. Because we, our nature is, we would rather be in bondage enjoying sin than in freedom away from sin. That's our sin nature. And Jesus is exposing some things in these disciples' life. And he's exposing some things in our life as well. Understand the context here. The context, what he was just talking about was who's going to be the greatest. Well, the greatest is going to be the servant of all. And they have not had this attitude of service at all. And so sin, oftentimes we think about sin. We're, we're thinking about, we're thinking about the, 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 the prostitute. We're thinking about the drug dealer. We're thinking about the, the drug user that is out there. And we're, we're thinking about you know, those that are involved in adultery and things like that. And, and, and so we're, we're, we're thinking about other people and not realizing how prominent sin can be in our own lives. And how entrapped in sin we can be sitting in a church view or watching on, uh, on, online a, a church service. We can still be in the bondage of sin because we can have this attitude toward God where we're willing to serve, but we're only willing to serve God our way. And if you're only willing to serve God your way, you're not really serving God. And if you're not really serving God, then you're working against God. You are entrapped in sin, the sin of self-centeredness, the sin of, of self-serving in your life. The problem is not the temptation. The problem is not the trap. The problem is the, the part within us that goes for it. The problem's me. The problem is us. Why do you think Jesus said, if any man will come after me, you must deny yourself. You must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. The old me has got to die. Well, let's look at what Jesus is teaching here about sin. Some serious lessons on sin. And there, there are things that we know, but I'm not sure if it's things that we really know. 
You know what I mean? We, we know, we've heard sermons on this and we know that these things are true and we've even read Bible verses on it, but I don't know if we know that it's real in our lives. And, and, and the first truth is this, is that sin, and in particular, our sin affects others. Sin affects others, but not just any sin, our sin. Our lack of following God, our putting God to the side, our following our own way, our self-centeredness, our pride, our selfishness, our sin affects others. This is serious. And, and we each bear a personal responsibility because of our sin. Look in, and look in verse 42. He says here, he says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble... It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Now, I've heard this verse misquoted for a lot of different reasons to promote a personal agenda, but we need to understand what, what Jesus is saying here. And basically what he's saying is, is that our sin affects those around us. So be careful, more than be careful. Avoid it, overcome it in your life. Notice the, the effect of sin here. He says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble. Your sin can lead others to sin. Now, they bear personal responsibility for their sin, but you also bear responsibility for it as well. You, you realize that can happen. That when you're leading someone else to sin, they're not excused because you were leading them. They're accountable for it. But not only are they accountable for it, but you're accountable for your sin as well. It, it, there's a, it doubles it up, you might could say. And so, so that's what he, he's talking about here. He's talking about the effect of sin. We know that our sin affects us, but it not only affects us, but it affects others around us as, as well. It affects, it says here, uh, causes one of these little ones who believe, so it can affect other believers. Our lack of prayer affects this church. Our lack of serious, taking our relationship serious with God affects this church. When we're not willing to serve, it affects this church. When we hold grudges against others, it affects this church. And not only this church, but it affects other believers as well. There's this, this effect of sin. And he talks not only about believers, but he uses this word little ones here. And so we, he's talking about not just the, any, any, it affects everyone that is out there, but it really affects those who are, who are maybe, you could say, younger in the faith, although that's not really what he, what he means here. But he's talking about those that, that, that aren't as, as, aren't as experienced and, and aren't as, as trained in, in how to overcome it themselves that are, that are, that are immature in their faith. They, they're the ones more likely to, to, to give in. You know, there are others that may see that, but because of their walk with God, they're able to overcome it, even though you may be leading them astray or setting a bad example from them. But others who are still young in the faith and haven't learned uh, a lot of these principles and stuff, it can easily lead them astray when we should be helping and serving others and pushing them to Christ, we can lead them to the snare of temptation and sin and where they're trapped right alongside of us. See, that's when he talks about 
stumble here. That word stumble is the same word that he uses for sin in verse 43 and verse 45 and verse 47. It is the word scandalizon. It is the, the trigger. And this is the picture that he has here is that we are enjoying our sin and we're inviting our brother or our sister to come with us and enjoy the sin and then we hit the trigger and we're both trapped. It's dangerous. Our sin affects... Let me just put it to you this way. Let's just put it where the rubber beats the road. What if the prayer temperature of this church matched your prayer temperature? What if the amount of time this, everyone in this church spent in prayer was the amount of time that you spend in prayer? How much of a praying church would we be? What if everyone in this church witnessed the same amount that you witnessed? How many people would we be leading to the Lord? What if people worshiped with the fervor and the attitude and the, and the passion that you have? How passionate would our worship be? Our sin, our sinful choices, not only entrap us, but entrap others around us. And sin will always have a detrimental, more than negative, detrimental, disastrous effect. Not just a light-hearted effect. Because sin is serious. There's not only the effect of sin, but he, he brings out the seriousness of sin. This is, this is not preaching, okay? This is, this is Jesus who said this. He says, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Now, when he's talking about a millstone, he's not talking about a little medallion, Okay? A millstone, that's the huge stone that the, the donkey or, or ox would go around and, and, and would push the, the wood thing and would grind up. That's where you would put the grain and the weed and stuff underneath there and it would grind it up. Those, you've seen the pictures of it. Those huge stones that are, that are um, so huge that, that a man could not lift it and everything. That's what he's talking about. And what is Jesus saying here? He's saying that that's what we ought to do if we see somebody sinning. We ought to tie a millstone around their neck and go throw them in the sea. No, he's saying your sin is serious. And it's time for us to deal with it. To get our hearts right with God. It matters. It really matters. In the context here of serving if we do not show love toward others, if we do not encourage them, and they may not respond, but if we don't give them the opportunity to respond to the love and the grace and the mercy of God, it is a serious thing. And if what we are doing is not only, bring, not only uh, refusing to bring people to Christ because we won't, won't serve them, but by our attitude and our actions, it is, it, is, it is giving people a false picture of Christ and they're turning away from that false, false picture and we're pushing people away. It is serious business. Eternity's at stake. And our sin affects others. Now, first part of this message is tough. But I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't hold back. He's, he's not, 
He's not doing this in a, in a, in a judging, condemning way. But he's doing it in a loving, life-changing, call-to-repentance type of way. But our sin affects others. Before we can move on to the solution, we need to see this second part too. Where not only our sin affects others, but sin infects us. Our sin infects us. It's not my brother, it's not my sister, it's not my neighbor, but it's me, oh Lord. I need deliverance. I need prayer. Because sin infects us. Not only are we personally responsible for our sin and how it influences others, but we are personally accountable for our sin. And we'll have to give an answer for that. Notice what he says in verse 43. He says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands and go to hell into the fire where that shall never be quenched. Understand what he's saying. He's not asking us to go out and cut off our hands or cut off our feet or pluck our eyes out. That's not what he's saying here. But he's saying that, that, there, there are th- that our, our, our sinful hearts and getting cleansed from that and, and overcoming the sin in our life is, is, is far more important than anything else that we have. He says in verse 45, he says, if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. This is the words of Jesus here. And he, he's speaking of the, the severing of sin. Again, that, that word sin is, is that scandalism on it. It's the, the, the entrapping into bondage that is there and our, our willful and sinful uh, uh, movement toward that sin and toward that bondage where we would choose bondage and the, the, the pleasure of sin, even though it brings bondage, than pleasing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That type of sin needs to be cut out of our lives. Seems pretty drastic where he talks about cutting off the hand or cutting off the feet or or plucking the, the eyes out. Understand this as he's saying this. He's using extreme language. And, and the reality is, yes, that would be better. But if you pluck your hand off, that ain't gonna keep you from. I mean, if you cupped your hand off, that's not gonna keep you from sinning. If you cut your feet off, that's not gonna keep you from sinning. You pull your eyes out, that's not going to keep you from sinning. That's that's not what he is saying. Matter of fact, in other places, he says everything that we do and everything that we say is not about the parts of our body. It issues from our heart. It's not the part, it's the heart. And we can't just rip our heart out. But I tell you what, the master surgeon Jesus Christ can take the sin out of your heart. And understand this, everything he is saying here is, is very true. It is, sin is very serious here, and sin must be severed. But understand this, 
the hands of Jesus were nailed for your hands. And the feet of Jesus were nailed for your feet. The eyes of Jesus were bruised and bloodied and swollen shut for your sin. Jesus took our punishment. Jesus' hands and feet and eyes and head and back and sides and heart bore the punishment for our sin. And He was separated from God for us. So this is the good news. Don't cut off your hands, just go to the hands of Jesus. Don't cut off your feet, just bow at the feet of Jesus. Don't pluck out your eyes, just look into the eyes of Jesus. And understand what He has done, what He is doing, and what He will do for you. We'll talk more about that in just a moment here. But not only do we see the severing of sin, let me just address because Jesus does hear the consequences of sin. As He talks about this going to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. And then he repeats over and over again this passage in Isaiah 66 that says, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. We need to understand as far as the influence that we have on others, as far as our relationship with God, we need to understand that hell is real. I don't, I don't care what some liberal theologian says. I don't care what anybody has to say. I choose to believe what Jesus says. And Jesus says that hell is real. It is. He taught that, not only here, but in other passages of Scripture as, as well. He taught that it was a place of, of punishment in Matthew 25 and verse 41. He taught that it was a place of unquenchable fire in Mark chapter 9 and, and verse 43 here. He taught that it was a place of unquenchable thirst in Luke chapter 16 and verse 24. He taught that it was a place of unquenchable pain in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 10. He taught that it was a place of, of divine wrath in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8. He taught that it was a place of, of eternal separation in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9. Hell is real. And for those who do not want to have anything to do with God, hell is when God says you can have it for all eternity. And for those who say, I want the full force and experience of sin in my life, God says you can have it for all eternity. Hell is not people forcing to go somewhere where they don't want. Hell is God giving them exactly what they've asked for. And it's serious. But I want you to understand this, and and this is just something in in my studying this week, looking at, It's interesting that three times here he quotes, says the same thing and quotes from Isaiah chapter 66. 
And so I did some studying in Isaiah chapter 66 and, and looking at that. And I want you to understand that this quote that's from Isaiah 66 and verse 24, what he's talking about there, he's not talking about the gross immorality. He's not talking about, again, the, the prostitution or the, the adultery or the, the, the drunkardness or the, 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 uh, the drug abuser or things like that. He's not talking about the murderer and, or, or, or things like that. He is talking to the nation of Israel when he uses this. In Isaiah chapter 66, God is calling upon, God has been calling them to, listen to me, God has been calling them to repentance. And they have said, we will do it our way. And rather than than going God's way, what they have decided to do, they have decided rather than going God's way of cleansing and purifying, they have said, we're going to do it our way. We're going to sanctify ourselves our way. We're going to go through the process while still indulging in our idolatry over here. We're going to serve God, but we're going to do it our way and have a little bit of the world here. And that's what is going on. It is really religious sin that is is going on, that they're, they're putting on the airs of following after God. Without really following after God and God and all his compassion and kindness and brokenheartedness says, Don't you see where you're headed? No one has ever been saved by being religious. There's only one way to be saved, and that is God's way. And that is through faith in Jesus Christ. Not just believing that He's real or that He can, but believing in Him, surrendering to Him, falling on your knees before Him, giving your life to Him, and saying, God, You alone can save me and cleanse me, and so I give You my life. I'm trusting You and You alone. Sin affects others. Sin infects us, but I got good news for you. I can't stop on the bad news because this book is a book of good news. (laughs) The good news is that sin can be overcome. Sin affects others. Our sin affects others. Sin infects us. Our sin infects us. But sin can be overcome. Our sin, my sin, can be overcome. That's what he's talking about here in verse 49. It says, for everyone will be seasoned with fire. He's making a transition talking about hellfire to talking about the refiner's fire, the purifier fire, 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 as he's talking about seasoned with fire. And every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in, in your cells and have peace with one another. Now, as he's talking about this salt that is here and this fire that is here, understand what he's talking about. The fire and the salt is, is one and the same. Now, there's another passage of Scripture in the, in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about the fact that we are the salt of the earth. Here he's not saying we are the salt. He's not talking about we are the salt. He's talking about we need the salt. 
Because the salt, this is the salt, this is the fire. It is the purifying work of God in your life. That is what overcomes this. No amount of self-discipline and self-effort and legalistic rule following will overcome the influence and the effect and the pull of sin in our life. Only the work of God in our life that starts at salvation and is lived out through a daily surrender to Him, a daily walk with Him, a daily dependence upon Him, a daily being filled and empowered by the Spirit of God can overcome this. The salt is the purifying glorious work of God in our life. And when that comes into our, let me show you what he's saying here, how it works. First of all, the salt exposes. He he, he says there in verse 49, everyone who will be seasoned with fire. Now he's talking about fire, but I'm using the word salt here just to kind of make it all tie in because the fire is the salt. And the salt is the fire. It's it's the same thing, this work of God in our life where he exposes our sin. See, that's what the refiner's fire was for. You'd heat up the metal. You'd heat up the gold. You'd heat up the silver. Why? To expose the dross. The dross would come to the surface so that it could be removed. We need God to expose the sin in ourselves. Let's quit running from God and saying, and, and saying, uh, God, uh, I'm, I'm perfect. I'm okay. Everything, I'm, I'm, I don't have to worry about anything and say, God, is there anything in my life that is displeasing to you? Is there any attitude? Is there any action? Is anywhere where I'm straying? God, reveal this to me. And let the Holy Spirit of God expose the sin that is in there. The dross that comes to the surface, understand, it's not the bad things within me. It is me. That's why I've got to die to myself. That's why I've got to learn how to take up that cross and where Jesus is the one in control of my life. It's not me. Notice what he says here. He says, for everyone... He doesn't say everything. He says everyone. He's talking about us as individuals. We need to be put in the fire, and we will be put in the fire because this work of God, he must expose that sin to deal with that sin, and that sin is me. It is dependence upon me in my life. Salt exposes. But the good news is is not only does salt expose, but what it exposes, it kills. It removes. God didn't reveal it. So that we'll feel bad. God reveals it to remove it. Salt does that. You ever poured salt on a slug? Y'all ever done that? I loved doing that when I was a kid. <laughs> I know, I was twisted, right? <laughs> that explains a lot. That stuff okay. Or you put salt on a worm. A worm? Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. I thought I read that somewhere. And not only that. Psalm 22 and verse 6, you know who's called worms? Not me, but you. (laughs) We all are. And Jesus became a worm for us. And allowed the wrath of God to be poured out upon him. The salt of God. We need to let God... It's not, it's not easy, but we need to let God kill the sin within us. We need to embrace the cross of Jesus Christ, and we need to take up our own cross and follow after him and ask God to do the purifying, removing, killing work of sin in our lives. And I take... 
Well, let me get to this one, and this explains it too. Salt not only exposes and kills, but salt preserves. It, it, it preserves. It, it, it says there in verse 50, salt is good, but if salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Of course, Jesus can't lose his flavor. That's, flavor, that's not what we're saying. But it's saying if salt is doing its purpose, it'll continually do this. You see, it's not just that a one time come to the altar, although it's good to come to the altar, because that may be the one time that gets us going the multiple times. But every day we must deal with this. There's new sin that, that, that God exposes. Listen, at one time, and I'm thankful God doesn't do this. Imagine if God at one time said, this is everything that is wrong in your life. Man. But God deals with this. And then God deals with this. And then God deals with this. And then God deals with this. He, he deals with the different things in our life because salt continues to work in our life and it continues to preserve in our life. And so we've got to continue to, to bow before God, to go before God, to allow God to speak into our lives, to cleanse us, to follow Him. That's why we need to hear the voice of God in our lives, what we're talking about on Wednesday nights. We need the, the there will never be a time in our lives where we do not need the daily presence of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking into our lives. So we've got to continually go to the Word. Listen, the devil's never going to stop coming after you. Not here on this earth. Your flesh is continued to be with you and will continue to want those old things. And the world is not going to stop coming up with new ways to tempt you. Every day, multiple times every day, we need to get with God and let Him cleanse us. And whenever temptation comes, we need to allow the salt of our life to come out. The work of God in our lives. A heart that has been changed and is passionate for Him. And not only that, but if salt's going to be useful, it needs to be spread. The work that God's doing in your life, sprinkle that on some other lives. He says there in verse 50, he says, have salt in yourselves. Notice he doesn't say you're salt. He says you have the salt in you. It's the work of God in you. And have peace with one another. Spread that salt out. Help people find the freedom that God is bringing into your life. Help people find the victory that God's bringing into your life. Yes, sin is bad. But how much more of a blessing would it be rather than us pretending like we don't have sin to say, hey, this is something I've struggled with in my life, but this is how God has given me the victory. But we're too ashamed to, to do things like that. And so other people are struggling with the same things that we're struggling with, and nobody can find the victory because somebody who struggled with it and got the victory won't share it. Spread the victory. Spread the freedom. Be a living, breathing testimony of what the work of God can do in someone's life to help them to overcome temptation. Walk in that victory. 
Get in the Word. Dive into your relationship with God. Spend time with prayer, with Him in prayer. Cut yourself off fast from the things of this world. Let God give you that heart of a servant and, and actively serve others, promoting His peace, promoting His love, sharing that love, being a living, breathing demonstration of the love and the grace of God with others. Let God do that work in you and let it impact the world around us. And rather than our sin in affecting us and affecting others. May the, the hope of Jesus Christ and the victory of Jesus Christ impact this world for His glory. I know it can happen. It has happened. And the Word of God says it has happened. You know how? Jude, 20, Jude verse 24 says, To Him who is able to keep us from falling. found in him let's run to the one that brings us victory this is Doug Ferris and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church I want to thank you for listening to our podcast it's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information we want you to encounter God and we pray that he will impact your life if you'd like to contact us for any reason, please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you were blessed by today's message.